Paul, I'm very excited that you're not echoey today. Yeah, you know, my new headset sucks ass, though. It's like the most uncomfortable headset in the entire world. But you sound marvelous. And really, isn't that the most important thing? Most artists suffer, so... (laughs) (laughs) So I will suffer for my art. I had a friend who uh, texted me uh, two weeks ago, and she said, Don't tell my husband, but I'm going to the hospital because I'm bleeding out of my eyes. Oh, my God. Yeah, apparently she had some type of... I don't know, sinus aneurysm or something like that. I was like, and you're bleeding out of the eyes? I was like, you're lucky you didn't do that in front of me. I would have shot you in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, that's the first sign that you know that Jesus hates you. (laughs) (laughs) That does seem to justify headshots. I agree. She's either either demon-possessed or a zombie. Either way. Yeah, either way, she's got to go. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, the coyote wouldn't put up with that shit. No. That's true. No. <laughs> coyote she doesn't might, carry guns, though. She might just be infected with something she's about to spread to you. Oh, no. She's got to die. carries a gun. Because sometimes she can't trust this voodoo shit. with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. This is Andrew. Well, I'm back. And look, no Echo. No Echo? I bought a new headset. We're so it's, proud of you, Paul. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it is uncomfortable as hell. And it keeps falling off my head. And that's what you get for causing the echo for so long. That's right. And so maybe what we should do is affix it to your head with staples. Perhaps, perhaps. (laughs) You can wear the microphone of shame. That's right. You got to pay for what you did, Aponte. That's right. You know, I don't know. I I, I still blame Wayne. The echo did (laughs) something on the show. Somehow he infected my microphone. Paul, you are the reason Andrew said Spider Man, okay? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time living that down in my local community, too. <laughs> are they shaming you? They are. They're like, Spoiler Man, what is wrong with you? I figured like, they were asking you about the he-she updates. Well, no, I'm like, it was the Echo. And they're like, don't blame the Echo for what you did. Damn right. Don't blame me. You just fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the, the title of your autobiography, Andrew. Don't blame the Echo. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of blaming things, a while back we were talking about uh, the Cape and how horrible the premiere was. You guys hear it got canceled? It not only got canceled, it was originally supposed to be 13 episodes. They cut it down to 10, and the finale is only going to be broadcast on the internet. Wow. (laughs) So it's not only canceled and going away, but the fans of it don't even get the finale unless they go to NBC's site to watch it. It's just a horrible show. Did any of you guys watch it after we talked about it? No. I, I've actually watched it all the way through. Have you really? Yeah. Wow. It it got better than it started off with, but it never got good. 
it was still bad. It's just I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm still watching Smallville. What do you expect? That's true. That's true. I watched the first episode and a half of it, and that was all I could stand. I'm kind of happy I never wasted my time with it, to be honest. It's just so bad. It was on at a bad time for me. I well, can't watch I can't watch men wrestle in crappy NBC programming at the same time on Mondays. It was just so bad. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. But you know what's good and great even is that iPad 2 is being released on March 11th. Yes. I'm so very excited. I have, been, I have been struggling for the last six months not to buy iPad 1. And I will, I will be happily at my computer on March 11th ordering that mother. I cannot wait. Your iPad 2 electric boogaloo? Ugh. Ugh. It will complete me. That's all I'm saying. It will complete me. <laughs> History has shown us repeatedly you never buy the first iteration of any expensive uh, i, you know. Yeah. Product. Any Apple product, do not buy first generation. You wait for that second one, and then it is awesome. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I, I like iPad 1, but I just knew that I'd just be kicking myself, you know, if I, if I bought the first generation. Yep, the price stays the same, but they keep adding more and more cool stuff. I mean, look at the iPhone, look at the iPod, look at the yeah. And this is actually a real upgrade. I have, you know, I have a couple of friends who are iPad users, and like, oh, it's not going to be much of an upgrade. Go ahead and buy it now, you know. And I think that's just because they wanted me in the same boat with them. <laughs> yep. But you know, with with the uh, you know the additional camera feature and you know the the, the increased processing power, yeah, I'm stoked. Still doesn't really fit any need that I have. You know, I, I'm still I'm not sold. My big need is I've got a ton of RPG PDFs. You know, because I buy a lot of like print books that also come with the PDF version. Um, and I can't stand reading PDFs on my computer. I don't like reading comics on my computer. But I think I'll really groove to reading comics and reading PDFs uh, on my iPad. Plus, See, I've got the same problem. I just don't like reading things on my computer. I thought that with when I had a device that had like e ink. Yeah, that I would be, I would read it more often, but I don't. It's still, I like the physical book in my hand. I'm old fashioned. Well, I see myself adopting digital comics a lot more readily with a device like an iPad. Plus, this is also a big plus for me is that you know you can stream Netflix to it. So the idea of being able to sit out on my deck and have a cigar and watch a movie, very exciting to me. So, are you going to? Use your iPad to uh, go to your Starbucks and your broken ass Prius and have your latte. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Not, not that, that I'm guy. stereotyping you, Aaron. I'm just. I'm no, no, no. I'm cool. With put that. nowhere to put you. Aaron, Aaron is our resident hipster. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> groovy, groovy hipster. Now, <laughs> you know, Paul and I have been sharing this same burning desire for uh, an iPad. Oh, yeah. and, uh, so, Paul, you're, you're ordering yours on March 11th as well? I am. You know, I know you guys say you know that you don't see a, a use for it just yet. But for me, it's totally about reading you know, the comics that we get and yeah. you know, preview copies and all that stuff. Um, it, it would just be awesome for that. You know? and, and I would read a lot more, you know, uh, like Aaron said, you know, a lot more digitally yeah. if I could read it online like that. Yeah, I mean, it's really kind of – for me, it's the first step in going full-on digital. I, I – and we've talked about this a lot of times before, so I, I'll try not to beat it too hard. But um, I would be a lot more comfortable getting out of uh, buying print comics if I could get my digital comics on a device that feels more like you know you're holding a comic and you know supports the 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 comic format. Uh, I, I think iPad is a, is a nice step in that direction. 
uh, yeah. to get out of, of print. You know, as long, as long as we can get something closer to day and date, uh, I could see myself moving that direction. I yeah, still see it th- fixing one of my biggest complaints about digital comics, though. When you get the double page spread, yeah. you're still stuck with only having one page, and you have to go to the next page and come well, back. Ex- and- except that, like, Comixology and, and, and those kinds of devices will usually have it where you can zoom to the panel and you can turn it. You know, since they're representing all that stuff digitally, you can you can turn the the pad you know landscape and be able to catch that double page spread, uh, you know, in that landscape format. Yeah, yeah I didn't really play with Comixology mainly because I want to own what I'm buying. Exactly. And I, I have the fear that Comixology may go out of business one and, day. And that is that surpassed. is yeah, and that is my exact fear as well. I mean, you're there. There is a a bridge that's still got to be built between the features that like iverse and comiXology have versus what you're going to get in a PDF. And the benefit of like, you know, going to Marvel and DC and comiXology and iverse is that they do have those enhanced panel features where you can zoom and flip and yada, yada. Um, but whereas the PDF isn't going to do that for you, you know, it's not going to provide that kind of intelligent, uh, comic reading on, on the device. So I, you're absolutely right. I think there's still, some work that's got to happen because I'm right there with you. I want to own my digital copy. I don't want to have the risk of, okay, Iverse is out of business, so I've lost all those books. Just a little PSA. Paul's the jackass crossing traffic on a Segway with his iPad streaming, you know, Little Women. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have the the Prius. He's going to be crossing right to the crosswalk. Just be careful. (laughs) He's heading to Starbucks, too. I'm just telling you. I am on my way. So I, I on uh, Wednesday, New Comic Book Day this week, I got an email from my comic shop guy, you know, reminding me that he's got all the comics on my list and that, oh, by the way, I'm having a 40% off sale today. And so I immediately email him back and I'm like, hey, um, you know, is that Galactus figure, that's that 19-inch Galactus figure, is that on the sale? And I never get a response. And so all day long, I'm like, oh, man, I hope it's on sale. I hope it's on sale. I get out there Wednesday <laughs> night. And the Galactus figure is nowhere to be seen. And I was like, oh, he's either he's either put them in the back because they're not on sale or he sold them out. And so I'm just crestfallen. Oh, no Galactus for me. So, you know, I get my books and you know I shop around and I, and I go up to the counter and uh, <laughs> I said, oh, by the way, was that Galactus figure on sale? And he says, oh, yeah, sorry. Here it is. And he pulls it up from behind the counter. I mean, it's just like Galactus rising from the cosmic mists. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I held this for you. And people have been asking for it all day. He said he had to keep turning people down. He's like, no, no, I've, the last one I've got, I'm holding, I'm holding for Aaron, you know. So here he is. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I am so turned on right now. He's he's our new host. Hey, it was <laughs> it was fun being on the show. I mean, I can't compete with Galactus. Are you turned on because Galactus is wearing purple? Are you not sure if it's a male or a female? No, I just want one. I just want one bad. That's a good point. Perhaps it's time for he she update week three. Unexpectedly, so dun dun dun. <laughs> so. Uh, we had a local gaming convention here this week in a town and I was out there last night playing and you know, that, there's a guy I know about for 15 years now, real nice guy. I love playing games with known him, you know, just casually at the game store for, for forever. What kind of games uh, do you play, Andrew? Uh, Hide the sausage? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Maybe like Warhammer Fantasy Battles, Warhammer 40k, that type of stuff. And uh, Duck Duck Goose. Well, yeah, obviously. Uh, so I'd heard maybe six months ago that that he'd start dressing as a woman. So I'm sitting at the uh, sitting at a table with with some friends playing a card game last night, and I look up and this I can see the front doors to the convention hall from where I'm sitting. And I see this this person walking in. It looks like a looks like a woman, jeans, leather jacket, jaunty scarf. <laughs> It wasn't really when I recognized. They looked kind of familiar, you know, long hair, kind of had maybe some red highlights in it. And I was like, look, look, looks familiar. I don't know. I don't know that person. But as they get closer, I realize it's this guy I've known for about 15 years. Huh. It was uh, it was a little disturbing. Did you tell him he was hot? I Ask didn't him back to your place for a drink. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he actually didn't come into the vicinity of the hall I was in. So uh, we, we didn't speak. But uh, it was it was odd that this guy I've known forever now looks so radically different. He doesn't look bad. But just very, very different from how I've known him. I guess I've seen him out of context from from all the years that we've been doing things together, playing games like Warhammer. <laughs> like Warhammer and hide the sausage, <laughs> something like that. So yeah, that was that was unexpected. That, this is a less humorous Hishi update. It was just kind of weird. Oh, it's still funny for us. Yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're still laughing. It, it fits perfectly. Well, go uh, a buddy back in high school and you know after high school he moved off to you know wherever and uh, a couple of years ago i got an email from him he'd found me online and he's like hey and i'm like hey how are you i mean i always really dug this guy you know we hung out uh rpg together that kind of thing and he's like hey you know i just wanted to share with you that uh you know i've had my gender reassignment uh surgery and i'm like excuse me <laughs> <laughs> and you know he's changed his name he he uh you know he is a, a a woman now and you know is married to a woman i Wait, just what yeah he, yeah he he has had gender reassignment surgery and strangely enough married to a woman hmm. i can understand the married to the woman part i did yeah. that too <laughs> <laughs> Is that kind of your move, Andrew? <laughs> saying. That's how he rolls. Beard. Um, so have you seen Have you seen your friend since they were uh, reassigned? No, he he lives out in California, and uh, I, so I, he and I haven't seen each other since then. But we've we've corresponded a couple of times, and you know he's still my friend. But it's just it, it's such a uh, a shift in your perception to you know go oh okay so he's a chick now. <laughs> Yeah, and married to a chick. Okay, I need, you, I need you to do a fully like business corporate review of the reassignment evaluation, and how, it, <laughs> how, how, it, how it worked on like four or five different testable levels, and yeah, yeah. Overall, <laughs> overall, your work has been satisfactory. <laughs> yeah, where, where did you say he lives? At California, California. So yeah. closer to Fear the Con. You should invite him to Fear the Con four. Okay, I'm on it. Yeah, have him meet us there. Worldwide wing night. <laughs> Woo! Andrew, you can invite your transvestite friend, too. Well, then we need to get our two friends into Tim's uh, hair metal game on Saturday. Woo! Yes. I, I, would, I would let them in. I believe well, there's an open so. spot where Aaron should have been. Oh, <laughs> Wayne, I love you. That's awesome. I just don't know why Wayne's got to start shit every week. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Have you met Wayne Aaron? I'm just, just, just asking. It's kind of what I do. So we are two weeks out from Fear the Con. 
Oh, it's exciting. And, you know, I, I think last week when we were talking about it, I was very comfortable with where I was. But all of a sudden I looked up and looked at the calendar and went, holy shit. So, <laughs> now I'm freaking out a little bit. I'm just, having just similar finish, reactions. Just finish your zombie game, Aaron, and the rest of them can fucking piss. Oh. Well, you know, and, and it's not like – I mean I know exactly where, where everything's – everything is you know in terms of you know game structure and whatnot it's just getting it on paper you know particularly for the for the uh zombie game which is in last slot on friday because you know by the time you get there you're a little bit tired so you need to have my notes to focus so but yeah the only thing i'm running fear the con is is iron tyrants demos and i did that yesterday for about five hours so i'm feeling pretty good about where i'm at so when you're out there running demos do do you have books to sell i will at fear the con Will you? Okay. I did not hear no. Uh, uh, I did. I didn't have any locally, but I did have little cards with the, like the website and whatnot. I get a real kick out of Iron Tyrants. Uh, uh, if the schedule permits, I'd love to to jump into a game because I just I've really enjoyed what we played here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just uh, you know, I think you're doing something that slot. But if you get done early or, or later on, I'll, I'll have my stuff with me all weekend. So cool. We can find time. So you can go back to his room at the end of the night. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going Quote, to Paul's Iron party tyrants, room. Unquote. We're going. We're going to Paul's party room for all Iron Tyrant activities because everybody's well, going to be there. If you and Paul are back from your microbrewery tour, <laughs> I mean, yeah, shit, yeah. Paul, I need to email you some details about that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> all right, ass. I I'm just going to predict it now. I always fear the compost. Well, it kind of sucked, but that that tour of the microbreweries, that made my fucking weekend. That was awesome. <laughs> well, you know, with, with the roofie that Andrew's going to slip Paul, <laughs> he probably won't remember much except that my ass hurts. We've yeah. been over this before. Drugs are not necessary to seduce Paul. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. If you have man poops, it'll do. <laughs> just, just give him a good, hey there, sailor. <laughs> Here, wear this Damien Wayne costume. No reason. Oh, God. <laughs> God. <laughs> he, she, update week four. <laughs> Andrew meets Paul. <laughs> and both of us were confused. <laughs> uh, God. It's like the Sims. They have the question marks over their ass. <laughs> so, Tim, are you ready for Fear the Con 4? I am mostly ready for Fear the Con 4. I've got all my games down, but when you were talking about, I don't know if I've got everything done, I feel the exact same way because I'm putting together puzzles like mad. So, Talk to me about your puzzles. Well, um, wife and I decided to, to do a little uh, business venture and try to uh, see if there's a market for people that want to buy put-together puzzles to you know, have as art. So we we are putting in backing and gluing puzzles uh, every every day, so we're gonna bring a few to the con for a silent auction type of thing. Because let's face it, I'm going there to game. I don't want to babysit a booth. Right. But I wanted to see if there was a market for it. So we're bringing a bunch of fantasy type puzzles with the cardboard backing down, and um, just hoping that uh, people like them. Oh, wait, cool. Wait, you said we. What, what? what was that? <laughs> Andrew, go. Now, do you have any superheroes uh, theme puzzles you're going to bring down to sell? Uh, I do have a couple Spider-Man ones. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I might even title it Spider-Man. <laughs> I'll stand up that silent auction yell out, $20 for the Spider-Man. It would be silent, so you would yell it out. Yeah. <laughs> 
You'd ruin it. You'd ruin the silent auction. Don't invite Andrew to your silent auction. (laughs) (laughs) But you you said we. Does that mean your wife is coming to Fear the Con? No, no. Oh, okay. No. I was about to say. You you don't bring the wife to the sausage fest. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got the the, the puzzles that you're bringing for, for auctioning. And then you're you're running your metal band game, and then you're also doing Savage Saturday Morning. Yeah, I felt like I needed to contribute one more game, so I decided to run one the same game I ran last year, uh-huh. just to see if there was people that wanted to play it last year but couldn't. And so that mm-hmm. one filled up too. So I was pretty pretty happy. And that one that one is like seducing Paul. That's like falling out of bed. The, the, the <laughs> cartoon one. Well, but what's the, good the is, hair uh... metal band is a little bit different. So. Mm. Well, I guess what's good is that I have a, a safety net with all of my games. Is How that, so? you know, either you, Tim, or Wayne are in every game I'm playing. Uh. No, and you think we'll go easy on you? <laughs> what 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 have you experienced that would make you think they would go easy on you? Sweet, sweet loving. Mm. <laughs> they well, were gentle. You know, gentle lovers. Tim Tim is quite tender and giving. <laughs> and on that uncomfortable note yeah, that's right um, we're going to annihilate this topic <laughs> nice so, just so like the, three people annihilated a five dollar bill this week the heavily anticipated much awaited annihilators number one came out this week by Admit Lanning uh, readdressing the Cosmic Avengers. I read it. Andrew read it. Paul read it. What'd you boys think? I'll let Paul go first. You know, the first half of the book didn't impress me. I got to be honest. So let's um, a little bit of background. A cup like last year at Comic Con or something, they announced a uh, Rocket Raccoon Groot miniseries. And then we didn't hear anything else about it until Annihilators was announced. And they said, okay, well, Annihilators um, is going to feature uh, the Rocket Raccoon and Groot, original, you know, originally, which was going to be a separate miniseries. Now both of them are going to be combined in one $5 book. So the first half of the book is the Annihilator story. The second half of the book is the Rocket Raccoon and Groot story. The second half of the book I enjoyed a hell of a lot more than the first half of the book. Um, the first half of the book is that Annihilators that, you know, you feature Beta Ray Bill and Silver Surfer and all those guys. And I don't know. It, it was just okay. It didn't feel like a very exciting first issue, whereas the Rocket Raccoon and Groot felt like a pretty damn good first issue. But what did you guys think about it? Well, I am not a Space Knights fan. I don't know a lot about the Space Knights. I, I don't, I'm not really interested in the Space Knights. So the fact that of the Annihilator story that it pretty much is very Space Knight-centric, and it seems like the threat they're going to be dealing with is, is you know, the Dire Race, which are the ancient enemies of the Space Knights. It just kind of leaves me un, un, unexcited about it. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I did... I, go ahead. I was going to... The Dire Race... I mean, I don't know who the hell the Dire Race are, but they have a cool name, so I'm interested. You know, you just, <laughs> a cool name like that, and I'm sold. I'm like, ooh, that, that sounds scary. They're dire. I mean... The best part of the Annihilator storyline for me was a watching that Space Knight knee Quasar in the in the in the nads, <laughs> and then in the look on Quasar's face, and then also of course Cosmo, the security chief of nowhere, who also happens to be a dog in a spacesuit, is awesome. 
But I much more enjoyed the Rocket Raccoon and Groot as well because that was a very entertaining story. What did you think, Aaron? I hated this book from beginning to end. Wow. Really? Yeah, and you guys know how much I love Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Um, and I love the the whole Cosmic Avengers thing. I was a big, huge fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. But I, straight up, I got to say, the art in the uh, first half of the book was hideous. Uh, I couldn't get past how poorly drawn Beta Ray Bill was on every single page. I mean, he looked he looked like Snoopy. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll agree he with does. that. He does. And, I mean, it completely pulled me out. Um, I mean, everything else was kind of, you know, mediocre. <laughs> mediocre. Mediocre. Um, <laughs> um, everything else was, was, was pretty mediocre in terms of the art. But, I mean, every time Beta Ray Bill, who is one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe, appeared on page, it was just awful. And it made me hate him a little bit. You know, and I hate and I hated the the artist for making me hate my favorite character. I just couldn't stand it, and the, so the art was so bad that I just I couldn't bear reading the story. I mean, it was all I could do to get to the to the final page, and then you get over to the Rocket Raccoon, and I'm sorry, I didn't want to read about Rocket Raccoon uh, working as a male guy in in an office. You know, that's just not the story I was interested in reading, and we spend a good half of the Rocket Raccoon story doing that plus i also could not stand the art in the, in the backup feature really? so i mean to, to be fair he's only working the office for about one page and then the rest of it he spends destroying the office as he True. writes a uh, homicidal as True. he puts it return to cinder uh package yeah yeah i just i i just the art i thought was hideous i did not care for how uh rocky was was drawn in that entire piece just See? awful I and i also with you I'm well sorry. and i and, and in terms of story structure, I we just wrapped up the uh, uh, the cancerverse war thing. Why do we have to waste an entire issue of a four issue miniseries getting the fucking band back together? Yeah, I mean they do spend. I mean that's what this is. That's you know Rocky is off doing his thing. Groot somewhere else. We're gonna blow twenty five percent of the story allotted. Uh, to getting the band back together when the band was already together. But you didn't enjoy that twist about Groot and, and his origins? Not really. Ah, okay. I didn't. I, and and largely, I'll say, I didn't enjoy this. I, I think that had you had a different artist on here, I probably would have had a different feeling for it. But I just, wow, I couldn't stand the artwork on this book at all. So on the, uh, I mean, I agree with you with the art on the main the main thing. It's definitely mediocre uh, art. But I see. I enjoyed kind of the stylized art they were doing for the Rocket Raccoon. I thought it fit fit kind of the story, space bum story that's going on with him right now. So mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't mind it so much in the backup. See, and I where where I think that the that the art for the first half of the book was just bad. I just didn't care for the matching of the of this style of artwork to the story, you know. And largely because I just don't like the way they drew Rocket Raccoon. Right. And, and I don't have, you know, I, I didn't read Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't read the Cancerverse. So I don't have a whole lot of, of Rocket Raccoon to compare him to. So, yeah. But, you know, you open up the, the back page and, you know, look how beautiful the cover that the, the cover that they have for uh, for issue two. I mean, it's beautiful. And then the the variant covers for number one, all of which better artwork than appeared in any of these books. <laughs> so. Anyway, I, I'm not picking up issue two. That's how much I hated this. Wow. 
Yeah. I'm sorry to hear you disliked it because I, you know, I was reading it and, and I thought you would love that Rocket Raccoon backup. Ugh, I didn't. Boy, I didn't like it a lot. And again, I think the story was probably fine. I just couldn't get past the artwork. See, and you paid five dollars for it. I did. Yep. And you know, I have to say, you guys know I love Abnett Landing, but they've let me down on the Infestation story, and as far as I'm concerned, they've let me down on the Annihilator story as well. And I would wow. say for five dollars that you get a lot of content out of this, but uh. You do, and and had it been good content, that would have been money well spent. <laughs> but I, again, I, you know, while I, I'm sure that a lot of my my negative feelings for the story come from how displeased I am with the artwork, twenty five percent of your story getting the heroes back together for uh, uh, the Rocket Raccoon story is just unacceptable. I just I, I just wasted time. You know, I would have preferred you know some other type of device there. Sure. So there you go. Hmm. I'm sorry you felt that way because I I loved the art on the Rocket Raccoon piece. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did, Paul. I wish (laughs) that I could. I wish that I could share your naive view of artwork. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, you you remembered that one of the things I complained about with the uh, Thanos Imperative was the way Rocket Raccoon was drawn. I was like, he looks too much like a real raccoon. I expect him to look a little more cartoony, and he looks cartoony. And that was my thing is I liked how how he looked more like a real raccoon. So you know, I got my artwork in uh, Thanos Imperative, and 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 you got your artwork in Annihilators. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's how that worked. It's fair. Aaron, you, you didn't like how they drew Be- Beta Ray Bell, Bill. God. Uh-huh. Beta Ray are, Bill and an Are you having a stroke? Are you having a stroke? That was I a shit am... transition, Andrew. Wayne, you're closer. Grab his tongue. Keep trying. <laughs> I, I, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I fold. <laughs> so, how was Astonishing Thor number three? You know, I am absolutely loving them playing with Ego's backstory, seeing Thor actually being treated like a god, but acknowledging that there are more powerful beings than gods in the Marvel Universe. I am still at – I love the art. I love everything about this book. It's the only Thor book I'm picking up. I love how the the living planets, Ego and Alter Ego, utilize, you know, global level volcanic outbursts for propulsion. (laughs) <laughs> you know, my whole, uh, you know, Southern Hemisphere has just ignited in, in volcanic activity to propel me across the universe. I, I kind of dig that. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful book. You know, we, we talked about this when Jake was on and, you know, he had talked about how much he didn't care for uh, painting directly over pencils. You know, he, he didn't much care for that. But I think the book is awful party. Yeah, and the art is one of the strongest things about this book, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's the best Thor story we have out there right now, which unfortunately doesn't say much. But huh. yeah, it's I'm I'm really enjoying the way they're playing with continuity. Yeah. That we're seeing all of these characters that we haven't seen in a long time, and they they're consistent. Yeah. So, so uh, volcanic propulsion of ego is that kind of like when Paul eats beans before he gets on a Segway? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Mm. In fact, I don't even have. Is a Segway battery operated or is it gas? Well, with you, it's both. <laughs> it's yeah, gas it's, powered. It's, yeah, it's a, it's hybrid powered when when yeah. Paul's riding it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so. so- so far, I've been happy with the series from the beginning. I like seeing the global catastrophes just because Ego's in the system, that they're actually doing a little bit of, uh, you know, attempting to show you what would happen if a living planet really did come into the solar system. 
like that hadn't happened before. Yeah. I mean, I think a living planet came through just last week. You know, there, there's that scene where uh, Thor and uh, suddenly I'm drawing, I'm blanking on her name. The uh, the other storm goddess. Do you remember her name all of a sudden? Oh, Zephyr. Zephyr, mistress of the winds. So there's the scene where uh, in the past where Thor and Zephyr are making out up in the sky and this huge storm breaks out. Our passion reached a certain pitch, and then, you know, lots of thunder and lightning. Very, very exciting. And Kind of uh, like what will happen at Fear the Con when Paul and Andrew meet in his room. Oh, you know it. But I kind of expected, you know, that she was, she was explaining how, you know, detrimental to the weather, you know, their union had been. And I was like, oh, they're about to say that they were the cause for Noah's flood. That's what I was hoping for, too. As yeah. I'm reading it, That's I entirely thought that's where they were going, and then they yeah. don't. Yeah, and I really wish they had. I think that would have. I think it would have been awesome. Like on that page where they're silhouetted against the lightning strike, if you had seen like an arc, <laughs> you know, in the background. But. Yeah, but Aaron, didn't you hate it when the Green Lanterns tied it to like biblical things? Yeah, but they didn't. the The thing that I disliked about that in Green Lantern is that it was just so over the top. Whereas I think in Astonishing Thor, you could have just had it in the background, and it could have been like an Easter egg. The yep. difference is this is tying sex to it, and that wasn't. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, if you tie, if you can tie your sex to something biblical, I'm all over that. And yeah, agrees just, with me. I just wish we had more Thor titles that were this consistently good story-wise. You know what I find kind of interesting, though, is how different the covers are from the interior uh, feeling of the book. You know, you, you look at that, that – uh, that cover with Thor throwing his hammer and it just, it has a very different sensibility to it than what you get from, from the interior of the book itself. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed the, you know, the story or the art inside based on that cover. Yeah. And it's a beautiful cover. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't give you any sort of sense as to what you're going to get in the book in terms of artwork, feel story. You know, I mean, this could, this could just be the cover for any old Thor book. Although it could be worse. It could be the cover to Avengers Academy number 10. And that has hardly anything to do with the inside of the book. And that is a messy, messy cover. I mean, there's just all kinds of just, you know, mess on that cover. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, hazmat and, you know, being wrapped up in a, in a snake. And uh, you've got Doctor Strange on there, Veil, you know, all these folks, you know, fighting stuff, going crazy. You've got Magic 101 on the chalkboard, and, you know, one of the characters is going worst class ever. You know, and none of that happens when... inside the book. Yeah. None of it. Well, and Doctor Strange is on exactly one panel in this book. <laughs> one. I know this is what happens when your uh, instructions to your cover artist are vague. <laughs> like, just include the following characters. Thanks. Yep, yeah, bye bye. Sounds a little bit like the cover to Heroes for Hire number one, because that was <laughs> awful. Was it? <laughs> they had five heroes on it, and like one of them were in that, was in the actual book. Well, the, wow. the way that this differs is actually when you get past the cover, this is a good story. Yes, it is. Oh. Yes, it is. Which, yeah, I think that would be a huge difference between that and Heroes for Hire number one. No, no, uh, I would agree with that. And I got to tell you, you guys keep talking and singing the praises of uh, Avengers Academy, and, and I'm coming around, I think. It's an awfully good book. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact the cover having nothing to do with, with what was inside, it was a great issue. Mm-hmm. We get to see uh, more of the emo speedball cutting himself and him giving his explanation about why he's doing it, which I don't buy for a second. 
<laughs> and is his explanation that he's dead on the inside? No, his explanation is that the the powers he had as penance, he actually needs to feel pain to build those charges up. So he only cuts himself before they go into big battles. Isn't that true? And the other characters are like, if you had just told us this, we could have found a way to make your powers work without cutting yourself. Well, you know, Dr. Pym, he can fix anything. I mean, every time somebody says it's a problem, well, we can fix that. Except (laughs) a marriage. Oh, Oh, burn. (laughs) But he did fix Janet Pym. Not yet. (laughs) I I mean, he fixed her back then. Oh, yeah. I'll fix you. Yeah. kind of fix it. He had to correct her behavior. (laughs) Yes. That's what I meant. (laughs) She never did that shit again. That's right. Uh, I only had to tell her once. (laughs) You know, what I really like about this book, I think Jonathan Landers hit it on the head when he said that there's a lot – this book is character development where a lot of the other – a lot of books today don't spend as much time in that area. Right. Like these kids – I mean, when this first started off, nobody really gave a crap because they were new. But now it's like, okay, I feel invested in like, you know, three quarters of them at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing Hazmat get a day outside of her suit. You know, they that have Leech cool. They have Leech show up and they make a comment about the uh, uh, the Freedom Foundation, our well, future foundation. Yes. And Leech spends a whole day with her, you know, dampening her powers. So she gets to actually walk around, see people, talk to people without the mask on, and it's the first time that's happened since she was been, since she was little, right? Well, and the character development that you guys are talking about is the same reason I liked uh, Avengers Initiative when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much the same feeling because it's the same writer. So well, and I I just really dig it. You know, um, I I'm not sure that I'm enjoying Vale as much as I had been. You know, because she, she, she is awfully hard into the pity party, but in all fairness, you know, she is kind of dying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she seems to be the least ethical of the bunch. You know, she, she doesn't seem to learn from her mistakes. You know, she was the one, you know, uh, holding the video camera when they were uh, whooping on the red hood. Um, she's the one who snooped in on speedball. She's the one who, you know, I, this is at least the second time she snuck into Dr. Pym's lab. And now, uh, you know, at the end of the book, she's going to bring the wasp back to life. You know, she's just, and she's doing all this stuff that she's not authorized to do that. She's having to sneak around to do. I think she's the villain that's going to emerge from Avengers Academy as opposed to say finesse. See, I was just going to say the other thing. I'm like, really? She just strikes me as the person that just keeps making wrong choices. Like, See, I don't I think, think that she doesn't have a conscience. You know, I, I think that she's she. I think she does have a conscience, but I think at some point she's just going to. She has been so oblivious to other people's needs, privacy, rights. <laughs> I think that I think she's just going to keep blurring that line and 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 you know placing her own needs over those of others. I think she's going to emerge as a villain. That's my prediction. My guess is whatever comes out of the, well, wherever it was, isn't going to be Janet Pym. It's going to be something that they're going to have to fight. She's going to bring out some something you know big and bad, and it'll be yet another mistake that she's made. It'll well, be teenage Janet that Hank Pym will have to train. And I know that Tim doesn't read solicits, so I won't tell you who I think it is. Yeah, you better so not. I'm leaving it alone. But Krista Skage has been talking about it a lot on Twitter, and I'm so excited. That's all I'll say. Well, how about you have words for Green Lantern 63? 
Yeah, this is a podcast. You need to say a little bit more than that. How about you have some words? Talk about the book that I flipped through in the store and didn't buy, but thought about buying. Green Lantern 63. You thought about buying it? Yeah, because it was the start of the new crossover. And so I picked it up and I'm flipping through it. And it almost made it up to the counter until I put it back down. I read almost the entire book standing there in the store, though. Wow. Well, what I want to know from from green, reading Green Lantern sixty three, what I want to know is what is it that, about living for like three billion years that turns you from a large, buff, you know, blue guy to these tiny little itty bitty dwarfs? Osteoporosis. Wow, <laughs> they need their more calcium in their diet because I tell you what, yeah, you'll shrink up to a gnome. <laughs> I'm just glad to hear someone else complain about that too because I have that same issue. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy used to apparently be about seven foot tall, and you know. Just ripped. Yeah, yeah. Corona, you know, was was all, uh, you know, all muscle bound. But you know that that osteoporosis will get you. I mean, look at Sally Field; she's gnoming up. You know, <laughs> oh, <that's> so sad, <laughs> so mean. What the hell did Sally Field do to you? <laughs> Seriously, Aaron? Just take a dump on your lawn? What? <laughs> Is she the person who backed into your car? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you, you see her on all those osteoporosis commercials, and you know. She's certainly shriveling into a little gnome. Well, what do you <laughs> think same. about Green Lantern 63, Aaron? Now, stop, stop bashing Sally Fields and tell us what you think about the comic. <laughs> stop bashing um, her and start bashing the comic. I have to say I actually enjoyed this book. I, uh, I, I have not – I've been rather vocal in my uh, dislike or at least um, disillusionment on the Green uh, Lantern books. But this one I actually kind of dug. I didn't love it. But I, I I I like that we got to see a little bit more on uh, what's going on with Corona. I really enjoyed the kind of introspection that we're getting on Hal. You know, there's this nice uh, page, and it's the title page, um, where he's kind of thinking about you know the the encounter that he had with the Justice League in the, in the previous issue, and there's this little you know insert flashback of Superman going, you know, when's the last time you took that ring off? And, you know, he's thinking about that. And people do start asking him, you know, when's the last time you had that ring off? It's been weeks since you've had that ring off. And, you know, we kind of see him, you know, falling deeper and agreeing a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the, the, the way that the uh, the uh, Guardians have, have, have dealt with things. Um, I loved that Krona's responsible for uh, the deaths in the Lost Sector. I got a huge kick out of that just reading the book in the store yeah. that we were finally seeing what caused the Manhunters to snap and yeah. that it was – they were aimed at. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a great part of it. I, you know, I dug the – you know, that uh, he's responsible for everything terrible that happened to Atrocitus. I think it's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I like that they took what was essentially a, a kind of a background character – you know, in, back in crisis, and they've made this into be such a huge villain. I yeah. mean, he was just a misguided fool then, and now there's just they're growing the character into actually a fully well developed character. I'm kind of getting a kick out of it. Not enough to buy the book, but I'm still getting yeah. a kick out of it. Well, and I thought the uh, the original version of you know the 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 power gauntlet and the green energy within it mm-hmm. that Chrono used you know a billion years ago that wound up being the predecessor to the Green Lantern ring. I really liked the power gauntlet. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, I want a power gauntlet <laughs> with the big with the big proton pack on the back. <laughs> you know, I got to say one thing, you know, 
this is a huge this issue i mean is just a huge retcon of everything yeah uh, you know that the Green Lantern's based on, you know, the Manhunters, and you know the the Guardians have. I know that you know, kind of, they started out tall, and during evolution they got short. I don't know if that's ever fully been explained, but you know, I, but what's interesting is that the the Guardians also had the the White Lantern symbol, like that was the first symbol before the Green Lantern symbol showed up. The White Lantern was the yeah. first of the lanterns, and I thought that was interesting, an interesting retcon. Hmm, I love it. I I I I I love the 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 little story devices in this one, um, and the little reveals that we got. Now, does that mean I'm going to dig all of uh, War of the Green Lanterns? Uh, not sure about that yet, but I, I do like where we're, where it's going, and I like that we're actually seeing something going on inside of Hal. You know, regarding the you know, is he losing himself to the ring? I think what I like most about it is that it finally seems focused. Yes, it does. You know, it does. Since Bright since Brightest Day started, the book just seems like it's going a billion different directions without any real focus. And now yeah. it looks like, you know, he has a definitive path in mind. He's writing interesting stories. So hopefully War of the Green Lanterns won't disappoint us like Brightest Day did. So, Paul, have you decided that you're just going to hang out on Green Lantern and you're not going to pick up uh, Green Lantern Corps or uh, whatever the hell that third one is? <laughs> Emerald Warriors? Yes, the problem is they're all involved in the crossover. Yeah. You know, and so... It it depends on how the crossover is because if the crossover sucks, then I'm I'm going to drop all three because there's no point in reading one third of the story. Sure. But if the crossover's good, then I'll continue with all three and then I'll reassess after the War of the Green Lanterns. Yeah. The two ninety nine makes it easier to, to to be a little, you know, I'll pick them up maybe, you know, because yeah. I'm only talking about you know six to nine bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought, you know, in terms of a prologue to the War of the Green Lanterns, I thought this was a pretty effective book. Mm-hmm. I thought the I thought the artwork matched the story well, and you know, I'm a I, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, you know uh, the the Benez Siaf uh, work. Um, I thought I thought it was just awfully pretty on the page. Yeah, you know, it wasn't Doug Mankey. No, and you good. know, I, I first started looking because you know it, it did kind of have some of that. Uh, Manky look to it, but but no, uh, it's it's certainly not uh, not Dougie. It's uh, Ed Benez on pencils and Artie and Syaf, uh as well. And I just I, I thought the pages looked great. Yeah, especially that page where Hal Jordan's like looking down, where uh-huh. it says you know they're questioning Hal Jordan's instability. It's the title page. Yeah, I thought that was a really well done page. You can tell like he's conflicted and yeah, you know he's deep in thought. I liked that. Now you know it did kind of surprise me that folks are concerned about how long he's had the ring on because don't they just always wear the ring? I mean, do they mean that he's been powered up as Green Lantern for for a long time? I just I always mean, assumed that they, they like a wedding ring, they just wore that thing all the time. Except Paul, who puts it in his pocket when he goes to meet men in the bathroom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or when I shower, or when I type, or when I drive my car. No, I assume they always wore it. Yeah, I assume they always wore it because you never know when an emergency is going to break out or when Sinestro is going to blow up your fighter plane that you're in. Yeah. That's you right. always That's- have the ring on. Does anyone yeah. worry about how long Mogo's worn it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was one thing about Hal Jordan is that he always took it. He used to always take his ring off when he flew. True. He That's true. I rely on the ring. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what I think they more mean, you know, when was the last time you were Hal Jordan and not right. Greenland? And I think that's what they meant as well. It's just not very clear in the book because, yeah. you know, they keep saying how long have you had that ring on? Well, what's funny is Carol Ferris asks it too. Right. And it's like, well, you've been Star Sapphire pretty much constant. 
<laughs> yeah, but she but she makes the point, you know, that when when this is done, I go back to being Carol. Who are you? Right. You know, because yeah. he's really he he has certainly since before Blackest Night has really kind of lost himself to the Green Lantern identity. So I do think this is an organic element to the story. We've seen that he hasn't done anything as Hal, Hal Jordan prior to Blackest Night. So, I would say this book's a big step up from the last few months, but I, I wouldn't go as far as to say as I love it. No, I, there, there are just elements that I loved. I, I don't love the, the fullness of the book, but uh, there are things that I really enjoyed about it. Um, it's still not my favorite book. Anyway, so you know, it, it wasn't the best book I read this week, um, but it uh, was certainly an improvement over what I've read previously in Green Lantern over the last couple of months. So, you know, on that trend of, of vast improvements, I know that Andrew has got an exciting report on Heroes for Hire number four. Well, you know, so I was excited. hoping <laughs> I was hoping to have an exciting report. So, you know, we had all read, or, or several of us had read Heroes for Hire number one. And, and to one degree or another, everybody who read it disliked it. So to me, that means, of course, keep reading because it can only get better. And sure enough, episode, uh, issue two was better than issue one. Issue three was better than, than the first two. Uh, so I was really excited to, when I saw four because they had set this whole plot line in three where uh, uh, the paladin had figured out that, that things weren't quite right with Misty Knight and been doing some investigation. He, he'd kind of met up with Iron Fist and entered the book that way. And they were, you'd think that this book they would go and find Misty. But no, this this book, book four is horrible. It's basically all within our head through different dream sequences. And honestly, it's just a waste of the entire book. And nothing, really, except for the last two pages, nothing of any interest happens. So, yeah, I think I'm done with it now, after four. After four issues and $16, you are finally done? I'm telling you, it was getting better. It was getting better. I've never liked the Paladin as a character, but this series is making me really enjoy the Paladin. Uh, but number four is just awful. You want to know what's sad? Avengers number 10 last week had the fr- first issue of Heroes for Hire for full in free at the back of the issue. Are you kidding me? Really? Yeah, Avengers number 10 Yeah, had the full first Heroes for Hire um, for free. Is that like back it, it was, in the 80s? Is that like back in the 80s when you bought a Cadillac, you know, they'd give you a Yugo? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess they didn't have um, one of those, uh, what do you call them, the oral histories of the Avengers. So uh, <laughs> they threw the full first issue of Heroes for Hire in there for free. Now, hold on a cotton pick in second. You're saying we're still getting the oral history in New Avengers, but the Avengers is now free of it? Well, now it has Heroes for Hire number one for free. <laughs> <laughs> I would take that over the oral history at this point. I don't know. I'm not going to read either, really. <laughs> Andrew, whenever you have a choice like that, always choose oral. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Tim. That is a pro tip. <laughs> a pro tip from Tim. That's right. The more you know. All right. <laughs> so, so now, know, Paul, I think you had you read a book this week called uh, Incognito Bad. <laughs> a book. And did it have words, Paul? <laughs> it had words. And hey, you know what? You so um, the, the, we were talking about the oral history here a second ago, and the fact that none of us read it, and you know, we don't like the fact that they put it in there and charge us for it. Well, Incognito Bad Influences from Marvel's Icon division. Um, it's by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. It's a like a modern pulp take on a a supervillain gone good. And I've I've loved this book um, since the beginning. I picked up the first series in trade, and now we're on the second miniseries, uh, Bad Influences. 
And one thing that I, I didn't get in the trade of the first edition is that at the back of each book, there are two prose um, sections. Uh, there's uh, one called The Secret Ingredients is Pulp, which is Ed Brubaker basically, you know, he's, he talks about the writing the book and he talks about the good pulp things that he's read lately, you know, whether it be, you know, books or, or you know, movies or anything like that. So there's that section. And then there's another one written by Jess Nevins. Yeah. And he goes over the history of different pulp characters. Um, and this issue, he talks about the grandfather of superheroes, Nick Carter, who um, was the first iteration of a superpowered detective back in the late 1800s, and who apparently was published as recently as the, as the late 90s, um, which I didn't know. Um, and I've never heard of the guy, to be honest with you. Uh, in fact, yeah, through 1995, 260 novels. And that's from 1970 to 1995. And I'd never heard of this character, Nick Carter. But, you know, it, it, what's sad is that those, um, those sections of the book are not reprinted in the trade. Yeah. You know, the, the, they did something similar during the first run of Incognito. And so when I picked up the Incognito trade, I was very excited to, to get those collected. And they sure didn't pull those together. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's a bummer because I got to be honest, this book goes on the top of my read pile every week yeah. because of the prose sections. I read the prose sections and then I put the book back into where it would normally be in the read pile and read the first, the, you know, yeah. the, the feature. Cause I just, you know, unlike the oral history, these are just so interesting. Um, and, and maybe if the oral history was history wasn't written from the character's point of view, maybe yeah. if it was like an actual take on the history of the Avengers and their stories and, you know, the behind the scenes drama that made that story happen and blah, blah, blah. I think I'd find that a lot more interesting. Yeah. And I think that's why I find this interesting. Yeah. Um, well, like, yeah. Well, like the Jarvis files. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I would be much more interested in, you know, kind of a almost like a documentary sort of essay around, you know, what Jack and Stan did in the creation of those early Avengers stories and, you know, what they were doing, that kind of thing. And then talking to those various creative teams as you move forward. I'm a lot less interested in hearing the characters talk about what they were thinking in those stories from 40 years ago. I you agree. Know, I, 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 but I'm, I've, you know, there used to be a time when I would buy a comic and, you know, they'd have an interview with the creators or, you know, some kind of some kind of thing like that, a foreword, if you will. Um, and I'd, I'd skip right over that. I wouldn't read them. I wasn't interested in them. But I, I really have gotten to that point, particularly in trade reading, where I want to read, you know, about the circumstances that created the story. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I like about like the DC animated movies or even the Marvel mm -hmm. animated movies or just any superhero movie. You know, I jump straight to with... the documentary about the comic book, not about Absolutely. the movie, but a documentary about the comic book. I love that kind of stuff. Well, and that's what I love about the particularly the Marvel movie DVDs. They do these wonderful documentary features in each of those. Like, you know, for the say what you will about the Daredevil movie. But the the uh, and I happen to really enjoy it. But uh, the DVD features on that where they talk about you know Daredevil from the beginning to where he was at the time uh, of the movie in comics is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and you know the Hulk movie, Iron Man, etc. All of those have just had terrific you know additional features on their dvds so i'm right there with you paul and i i enjoy that in my trades i i'm just not so much enjoying the oral history of the avengers 
Yeah, it's um, and that's what I enjoy most about Incognito Bad Influences is that that essay. And you know, it's a shame that it's not included in the uh, you know in the actual uh, trade paperback. But maybe you know, maybe they'll collect them all in and like one, a hardback. You know, like a hardback book or something. Yeah. Because this Jess Nevins guy, man, he knows his stuff. And, you know, I don't know. I, I've never heard of half of the characters. He even references a character um, from 1837 called uh, Jibba a.k.a. The, the Spirit Who Walks. And I'm like, huh. So the Phantom wasn't the original. You know, so that's where the Phantom got it from. And there are so many interesting nuggets like that. Well, and so many of those are in the public domain now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, it, 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 you know, I, I look about that stuff, or I, I, you know, I read about that stuff. I'm like, huh, you know, these are all these interesting characters that it would be yeah. interesting to see someone pick up, you know, the reins and write something good with. But do, but do it better than Dynamite did with their whole superpowers thing. Yes, please. Because that thing, you know, sucked balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give it to someone like, uh, you know, or even um, Eric Larson picked up a bunch of those. Uh, those characters, uh, like public domain characters, including like the original Daredevil, right, and brought him into the pages of Savage Dragon right. for a while. And I don't know if he's still doing that, but um, you know, last week I-, I wasn't on the show, so we weren't able to chat about Savage Dragon. Number and wasn't it a great show, y'all? <laughs> wasn't I mean the best, best show, I've best been on. episode ever? Yeah, yeah, good show, yeah. good show. I quit. Quit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the gonna pancakes, cry. The, the pancakes were plentiful and delicious. Baby going to cry, Paul? Baby going to cry? You going to squirt me some tears? <laughs> I'm going to squirt you with something. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, last week, Savage Dragon 169 came out, and I, uh, I, I wanted to read it because it was the start of the new era of Savage Dragon, in that um, Savage Dragon found out his true origin. He found out he was uh, an emperor from another world, who had forgotten his memory, he went evil, he started destroying the world, he, he killed a lot of the supporting cast, he destroyed a lot of cities, and then finally, in issue 168, he was killed, the original Savage Dragon. So with issue 169, his son takes over the title. And um, so, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'd give it a shot again. You know, I, I, I hop into Savage Dragon every once in a while. And uh, Tim and Andrew joined me on it, and so I'm, I'm very curious to see what you guys thought of it. Well, you know, last week we talked about two different funeral comics, and I gotta say they went a very different direction in Savage Dragon than the two we talked about last week. Instead of you know solemn, dignified, you know, uh, heartfelt, this was more of a what fourteen-year-old, six-year-old having a tantrum and storming off in the middle of his father's funeral, which probably works for the character because he is what fourteen. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He's very young. I, I, but I thought it was a good jumping-on point. This was the first time I read Savage Dragon and. In years and years and years, and it got me right back in because I had missed all of that about the uh, the the recovered memory storyline and the the destruction he did. So I thought it was a good jumping on spot. Tim, what do you think? This book was fucking awful. <laughs> book. Now, the, the reason I, I can count on on one hand how many Savage Dragon books I've read over the course of you know its run. So I am by no means talking as an expert on this character. The reason I picked this up was because Paul explained to me the, the you know the premise that you know his son has grown up through all of the issues. They've he's gotten older. You've seen him you know go this route, hmm. and so I thought that was an interesting premise. I thought that I wanted to see a book that had a lot of emotion about a son losing a father, 
And what I got was a temper tantrum, basketball, and aliens. This, this book sucks so more hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so I, I didn't hate it, and and I'll tell you why I didn't hate it. Um, the book was done uh, almost panel for panel, like Savage Dragon number one, except replacing the characters from Savage Dragon number one with Dragon Sun and the new villains, but it was all done as an homage to the first Savage Dragon issue. So I liked that aspect of it, I, and, and not a lot of people caught it. In fact, I haven't read a single review of the book that actually mentioned the homage to the original issue. Um, maybe because the original issue came out like, I don't know, 15 years ago, something like that. But uh, no, I, I, you know, I didn't love the book, and it's not going to get me interested. i got to be honest, I'm not going to pick up Savage Dragon number 170 at the local comic shop. But um, I didn't hate it. it. It was just, you know, it was an interesting way to take the character. Uh, and, you know, how often do you see the lead character of a series, like, actually die? You know, and, and, yeah, you see it all the time, but I think with Eric Larson, <laughs> no, I think this being a creator-owned title, I think it'll actually stick. And, um, you know, supposedly after there was a jump up. Um, go ahead. After what they've done with his origin here, I hope it does stick, because I'll be honest, I used to be a fan of the character, and I hate the reveal of the origin. That's bothered me since they've done it. I, I don't like the idea that the this hero, this guy that struggled trying to figure out what his past was, finds out he was an alien conqueror and goes bad. That, it bothers me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's an interesting way to take it, and maybe he just wrote himself into a corner and he wanted to start fresh with something new. And I, I like the concept of, you know, not only are we dealing with Dragon's son, but we're dealing with, you know, the 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 offspring of some of his major villains, too. Uh, in fact, the, the villain that uh, Malcolm uh, who's the new dragon faces in the first issue is the son of uh, one of dragon's original villains. And so I liked that idea. I just, uh, you know, it, it's, well, I, I don't think the issue was as strong as it could have been. Cause you know, like emotionally, but I, I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was pretty decent. I thought, you know, how Malcolm found out about the origin was a bit jarring because, you know, he's going through this wrestling with whether his dad was, was just, you know, delusional if this was really true. And, then all of a sudden, the last few pages just boop. Some yeah, guy yeah. phases into the room, and says, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's all true. You want to come with us?" Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really wants a douche nozzle. <laughs> where, where did this come from? But it was just so a Deus Ex uh, Machina, man. He had this, you know, Malcolm has this horrible question. He has no source or an answer, and then suddenly the answer just appears to him in a flash of light. You know, you know what that was? It's called Eric Larson ate too much at the at the at the you know dinner and couldn't write that night. And he's like, "How do I get him to know he's an alien?" <laughs> I'll have another alien show up and tell him. God and then the alien it. disappears, never to be seen again. Yep. Oh, I'm your brother. Oh, okay. Here's your information. Oh, I'm out. Yeah. Peace. Oh, my God. <laughs> See you at 150 issues. <laughs> this, I, I, I agree that the premise, Paul, had so much potential. I, I like I like the fact that the, char- the characters seem to grow through the run, you know, and I like the concept of him and his half sister like you know trying to fill his shoes and all that all that sounds really good when you say it but when you put it together and it's so effing scatterbrained it's just awful yeah i mean i gotta yeah it it wasn't one of the things that i think hurt the issue for me is that you know i I mentioned that i liked the fact that it, it had it was an homage to the very first savage dragon book the problem is 
then you look at the very first Savage Dragon book and you realize the difference in quality. You know, the art isn't as good as it used to be. And, you know, it's just it's not quite the same quality that the book was when Savage Dragon number one came out. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was both you know, it was a nice Easter egg to have that. But at the same time, it was also a little bit of a hindrance when you compare the two. Yeah, and I haven't even touched on the art because you know it's it's Eric, it's Eric Larson's art. So if you've seen it, you kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah, not my <laughs> not, it's not my favorite style, but that wouldn't keep me from the book. It, it what this what needs to happen is a more focused approach to what's happening, and not so much ridiculous uh, plot development as as we've seen. And then maybe I I could give it another try, but. That was one big old fat strikeout. <laughs> well, maybe was was Thunderbolts number one fifty four a little bit more up your alley? Thunderbolts one fifty four, early front runner for cover of the year for me. I love Thunderbolts one fifty four. Book of the week. Book I, of I, the week indeed. Yeah, book. Yeah, this book was terrific. Best man thing story I've read in a long time too. I I I, I dug this book hard. It was the first book I read this week, and uh, I, it, it's terrific. It's 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 a man thing story that just happens to feature the Thunderbolts. You have uh, folks who have invaded the Everglades, some aliens who who've come in to the Everglades from another dimension, and just start you know killing folks there. You know, feeding them to their big lizard monster. And turns out, you know, the reason why uh, Man-Thing was in the Everglades, we knew this from previous Man-Thing stories, was that he was kind of the interdimensional guardian to keep our uh, our prime material plane safe from other uh, dimensions. And, you know, without him there, people come through. And it, this was great. I just really dug this story. Lots of good killing. Lots of good people getting eaten. Um, this is good stuff. So did we know that from previous Man-Thing stories? Because I'm, I'm not familiar with Man-Thing as a character. Yeah, he's always been that, that guy who, you know, he guards the interdimensional gateway that leads into the Everglades. Hmm. That's been kind of like a constant, that, at least since the 80s or so. See, I wasn't sure if that was a retcon or not, but apparently not. No, no, that's that's consistent. But I dug the design on the aliens. You know, they got six eyes. Hmm. <laughs> kind of dug that. Um, I, I dug that that uh, we got finally got to see why you know man thing likes moonstone so much you know because she resembles so much this woman that that uh, uh, man thing is familiar with I, I thought it was a nice almost almost an origin story for man thing yeah you know I uh, I picked this book up despite saying that I might not uh, I went ahead and stuck with Thunderbolts and I'm, I'm glad I did you know you have the it, it's a, an awesome art Adams cover yes it is. You know, a, a pretty awesome, you know, detailed uh, man thing picture, and uh, you know, the the art inside was not by original series uh, artist Kev Walker. It's by the uh, his, you know, the the guy they bring in, I guess, for fill-ins, Declan Shelby. Mm-hmm. But, but I thought the know, art I gotta say, I was story more impressed with it. Yeah, the yeah, art thought, the story well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was much better than his last time during the Shadowland crossover. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, um, and I what think about it fits that? The story we're telling just as well as the other artist does. Yeah. Uh, what about that scene where Man Thing takes the big uh, lizard creature and just snaps his jaws? <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Like a can. That was <laughs> just, I just, you know, I, I have not ever enjoyed the Man Thing. Uh, 
You know, I've liked him more as a supporting character. I've never enjoyed him like in his own books. But I got to tell you, the way uh, Jeff Parker and his team are handling Man Thing and Thunderbolts makes me just crazy for him. I just I'm really digging, you know, what we're getting to see on the Man Thing. I think he's yeah. a great uh, asset to this team, which is really what this book is about: is talking about how Man Thing fits into the Thunderbolts. And, and we let, and let's talk about that for that for just a sec. The degree of difficulty to make you like a character that doesn't talk, uh huh, is <laughs> is ridiculous, especially when it's not like he's you know Jackie Chan. There's not a lot of movement either. Right. It's, it's got to be very subtle, and the artist takes a lot of credit. you got to give artists a lot of credit for this, too. It's, there's very subtle things about him to speak volumes, and it's it's really awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, you know, i, I got to say, I, I still think that I wouldn't necessarily pick up a man thing ongoing, but yeah. he, he works extremely well as a supporting character in this team. He does. I, I think he's terrific, and, you know, this kind of a of a focus on him, thoroughly enjoyed and we've seen a couple of those kind of books now you know we, we had the one with uh, uh suddenly drawn a blank on his name the ghost you yeah. know we had we had the ghost issue that was just so good you know and they, they they both serve the same purpose they're telling you more about that character and letting you get to know more about him but they are such different stories and different ways of telling those stories you know this is really kind of a a uh, a monster book you know, and we and we, we it's it's a different kind of monster book um, from the monster books that we had the previous two issues, where there were fighting giant monsters. You know, this is the alien invading dimensional monsters. You know, there's all this serious talk going on about the character, and all I keep hearing is, you know, how they're handling Man Thing, how Man Thing is fitting in places. So, <laughs> I I'm busting up thing. laughing here. You said how many times you're you're saying man thing and talking about handling him and yeah yeah Jeff Parker can handle a man thing yeah. <laughs> thanks Wayne we were having a serious conversation now we're back to our 14 year old general status <laughs> it was it was a reset yep. yeah <laughs> I, I never <laughs> left that status well, well, I, we were a legitimate podcast just for a second it almost looks like yeah, that shit. I haven't read I haven't read any of the solicits, but it almost looks like that we're going to have Doctor Strange on this team. Yeah, well, which would be Ooh. interesting because you know then the Thunderbolts. You know, you've got two people from New Avengers on the Thunderbolts. Yeah, and I'm sure that Doctor Strange is just going to be guest starring. I can't imagine that they're going to have him on a regular, but it would be so awesome if they did. Maybe they'll yeah. pull an Avengers Academy and put him on the, all over the cover, but only on one panel of the actual book. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'm he was already he, on one panel of this book, so uh, you know, you never know. I think maybe he's just showing up to like lead them to the person that they're going to recruit. I don't, and I, I don't think you're probably feeling. right. I think yeah, you're I don't probably, get the but, feeling he's going to be on it. But it would be so cool if he were. What would be interesting is if you know, uh, I don't know if you guys read the the search for the Sorcerer Supreme when uh, Doctor Voodoo originally took over, or Brother yeah. Voodoo took over uh, the Sorcerer Supreme role. Yeah. And, you know, half of the the storyline was uh, Doctor Strange dealing with uh, Wiccan. And, you know, I think it would be interesting to see Wiccan on this team. Because Wiccan, you know, I mean... The, the, yeah, we're not really seeing him anywhere else. Well, there, there's that Avengers The Children's Crusade series that no one's reading. But, you know, they're kind of outlaws in that series. So it would be interesting, you know, to have him back on, to have him on the Thunderbolts, you know, after he's an outlaw type thing. Well, now, in, after Brother Voodoo died, did, did Doctor Strange become the new Sorcerer Supreme again, or... Is there that just role being unfilled right now? There's a uh, vacancy in that role at yeah, this time. Yeah, there's a there's can, listing on monster. You yeah, can, you can send your resume in. <laughs> well, 
I mean, I'll be honest. I really like the Search for the Sorcerer Supreme storyline. I'd like to see see another one, I, and I would love for Wiccan to end up as the uh, new Sorcerer Supreme. Well, yeah, I think we're looking for a little bit more experience in that regard. Well, I mean, uh, he can't drive a car yet, but you know, he can protect <laughs> us from extra dimensional threats. We, we love we love his energy. Um, his resume was lacking on some of the key yeah. skills that would be needed to fill the position. I think we we might be able to bring him in at like the associate level, but you know, full on Sorcerer Supreme, I don't see us being able to do that at this time. Though we'll certainly keep his resume on file. Yeah, we would want to uh, him in the position and then have 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 his failure be on our hands. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a story that Marvel could be telling right now that that they're not, which I I really enjoy those kind of mystical storylines. So oh, I do too. And you're you're absolutely right. Search for Sorcerer Supreme was terrific. Loved that storyline. We you search know, for the Sorcerer Supreme to Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo, the search for Curly's they, gold. They can't all be the Electric Boogaloo. They can all be the Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> you, you, know, you don't uh, control the Electric Boogaloo, Aaron. You're not its yeah. boss. You are not an Electric Boogaloo Gestapo. I, I think I might be. You know, one uh, of these days you're going to have to give us the origin of the Electric Boogaloo. It was the uh, sequel to. Uh, yeah, Breakin. Breakin' Two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, Say Slickers Two, Curly's Gold, Electric Boogaloo. And I remember when my when my buddy was trying to convince me to go see Breakin'. They're they're gang members, but they solve their problems through dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're not selling it, pal. <laughs> I'm not gonna go see this movie with you. <laughs> I appreciate the invite. <laughs> 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 so uh, going back to Thunderbolts real quick, do not look at the cover for Thunderbolts 155 if you don't want it to hit spoiled who's on the new I team. I am not looking at the cover <laughs> of 155. But on the bright side of things, it comes you, out in two weeks. You can't make me. <laughs> I bet we can. I bet we can. I'm going to put might... a link in the show notes. <laughs> That's fine. If I, if I tweet a random image talking about gaming, Tim, there's a decent chance you'll click on it. <laughs> yeah, because that worked so well for Jonathan Landreth when he did that. Oh, what did what did that. he do? Uh, uh, he tweeted a, a well. He didn't tweet. He uh, he. We were recording an episode of Knights of Rainsboro, and I had sent everyone a picture of my wife in a chicken costume. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan follows up by sending a picture of of uh, of you know gay man sex. Wait wait wait. Now go back to this chicken costume for a second. <laughs> that's that's how Mrs. Aponte <laughs> keeps her man. <laughs> Now, is this like a big bird, or is this like a sexy costume? <laughs> oh, and on that, it no. was not sexy, no. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just got to get plucked, Andrew, so just yeah. – you got to yeah, understand. I mean, Paul's just going to pluck the shit out of that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she calls him his, her little her little bad egg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got it. <laughs> oh. <sighs> I don't uh, even think we need to talk about next week. I think we should just put a freaking cap on this thing and get out of here before we lose our minds. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's too well, late Tim for that. Said it. We're gone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.